Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Stevie D of the legendary Force MDs, and you're listening to the mix of DJ Aftermath, also known as Derek Dunn of Reviews and Dunn. Yo, Double D, let's start the show. All right, so you're you're officially an OJ. It's 2003. Right. You do the Fighting Temptations, which we all know starred a rising Beyonce. She wasn't Beyonce yet. She was still, you know, the girl from Destiny's Child. She wasn't Beyonce, Beyonce yet, though. So what memories do you have of being on the set with Beyonce and Melba Moore and Angie Stone, Little Zane, Montel Jordan? I mean, the Fighting Temptations was such a great, positive Christian-based film. It was actually one of the last movies I saw before I left for basic training, so that's why it's so fresh in my mind, the effect that it had on me. And the barbershop scene you guys did where you're singing a Beyonce son is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. So how was that set? Okay. Let me get you to First of all, Melville Moore. Melville Moore gave the Deltones back then David Deltones, their first professional gig. Melba Moore and Freddie Jackson was the uh, background singer. We opened up. The, the Deltones opened up for Melba Moore at Kent State University. So the first professional gig with a, with a superstar that we ever did. Melba Moore was like her and, and, um, and Shirley Caesar. They were more like the mamas of the whole thing they were they were the ones that were that kept everything cool okay so i'll leave i'm gonna leave that there the set when we first got there and the oj's were were the the guys that put things in perspective we was more or less like the ones that you know we didn't do the star thing we didn't do that we didn't do none of that stuff we just did the, the three guys that sing with the oj's you know what i'm saying so when we first got there, Beyonce used to come to the set with a bodyguard, this big old dude, and had bodyguards and all that kind of stuff. That's how she first came to the set. By the end of the week, we started on a Monday, by the end of the week, Beyonce didn't come with no bodyguard no more because the set wasn't like that. The set was just a cool set. It wasn't no set where she had to worry about this and worry about that and all this kind of stuff. It was not like that. After a while, Beyonce started just kicking with us like one of the guys. Beyonce wasn't even like Beyonce. She was just like, that was like one of the girls, you know what I'm saying? Uh, a couple times, you know, I don't know if you're going to use this or not, but I'm just giving it to you raw. A couple times, you know, she shot dice with us. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's the that's kind of set we had, you know. Yeah, uh, Us, my, you know, me, Walt, Mike Epps. Uh, Montel didn't, but we, we we do some. I mean, we was just it was like just a bunch of people just so happened to do a movie. After around the second week, it was just like a bunch of people just doing the movie. I mean, me and Montel, we played me, Montel, and Eddie. Me, Montel, and Eddie LeBert, we used to play Madden every day in our trailers. Every single day, one of us was playing Montel Jordan. Was playing Madden. Uh, Rue, Rue McCullen, she was like, 
she was just blown away with the OJ. She loved her some OJs. She called her slick. She said we was one of those slick groups. She came to a couple of our shows. She came to the movie because we would do, like, you know, we would leave off the set every now and then and go do a show and then come back. And, and Rue found out where we were playing and she'd be in our show. Um, uh, Lil Zane was like my baby brother. I cut two records with Lil Zane while I was on the set. I cut two records that was with, that was with Lil Zane. He and he turned him into his record label. He was on the same record label with Chingy at the time. Turned him into his record label. The record was a smash. His daddy even told him the record was a hit. And a record company wouldn't take it because they said my name wasn't big enough. Ooh. When he said featuring Eric Eric Nolan from the OJ. The record label told him my name wasn't big enough, so they took me off and put Tank on, and the song didn't do nothing. Didn't do Whoa. nothing. I know nothing. The song you're huh? Yeah, and I know the song you're talking about, too. Yeah. <clears throat> I, did, I did that song first, but I did a, I to put a different spin on it. I did like a, a, a Ronald Isley type of uh, mood to it. You know what I'm saying? I was doing that falsetto stuff. I was doing, and they loved it. They thought it was a smash. And the record company told them, nope, name ain't big enough. I said, a hit is a hit is a hit. And it did, and it took me off and put Tank on it. Yep. I did that record first. And he was like my baby brother. You know what I'm saying? Um, Montel was like our... He was more of a spiritual leader for us. He was very, 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 very cool. Very even killed. Very even tempered. Um, Lou, uh, that the, the played the piano, the old man, he was incredible. Uh, um, uh, Samuel Jackson's wife, another incredible. We didn't have no, we didn't have really no. We didn't have no dissension. Everything was like a big family. You know what I'm saying? Everything was like, it was just super, super cool. Super cool, man. Uh, Cuba, I mean, uh, yeah, Cuba Gooden Jr. I don't know. I never, whatever is in the tabloids about him or, you know, social media about him, we never saw that guy. Because the Cuba that we saw, was just a cool dude. He was just a good guy. He was he kicked it with us. He told jokes. That stuff you see at the end of the at the end of the movie breakdancing, he does that for real. Like that's his thing. He was a b boy for real. That that's not a knack or a stunt double. He could do that at any point. All you do is just tell him to do it. The thing that that amazed me about Cuba was he would get his script. And he would look at his script and put it in his back pocket and then do it. That's how he did. That's how he did the whole movie. He did that movie right before he did right before he did the um the movie with him being the mascot or whatever he was. Um radio. whatever he was supposed to be. Yep, radio. He he did that. He did that right before he went to do radio. And he would go in his back pocket, take out his script. I said, okay, shoot it. And he put the script back in his pocket. That's how he would, that's how he would do it. That's how he did the whole movie. 
Mike Epps didn't have a script. Mike Epps didn't have a script. They got Mike Epps to be Mike Epps. And that's what Mike did. When you see him do that stuff, he just make that stuff up on the fly. He's a genius. He's like Robin, he's like uh, 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 Robin Williams. He make it up on the fly. Best experience I ever had. I mean, I, I've always wanted to make movies after that. Because we, we, we stayed in Atlanta for three months. We had an apartment. They gave us an apartment and a truck, a white, um, a white um, expedition. And the guy who did my cousin Benny is the guy who did Fighting Temptation. Jonathan Lennon. Jonathan. Yeah. That's who did that. And and, 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 and we, we just, it was just a family thing. That's why it feels so good. That's why you can watch the movie today. It feels good. Because all of that was real. Like, I think, like, maybe 40% of it was acting. You know, probably Beyonce probably really had to act. You know what I mean? But majority of it was feel good, especially all the all the songs. Man, we would come in, we would cut our we would cut our, our our parts, and Beyonce would come in, sit down on the stool, and do her part, and then it's done. Because the Jays was good at doing one and two takes. We only did one. We only did one take on the barbershop. On, I mean, on the uh, 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 the barbershop uh, song. We only did one take of that. That's less one. That's a one taker. The uh, um, the one where we in there with uh, with T Bone. T Bone is, is like one of my best friends to the day. The one that we did with T Bone doing the the Puerto Rican rapping and all that kind of stuff. That song right there, we probably we might have spent the hour in the studio doing that song. Well, none of them is no all day thing. We we. We we wrote with with uh with uh Terry Lewis. We wrote uh, why you won't settle for less while we were cutting uh, the Fighting Temptations um, soundtrack. We wrote that singing around the piano, just kicking it because there was nothing else to do. It was the best experience ever, man. A movie like that of that magnitude with that with that budget, it was the best. It was the best feeling. And those people, look at all of those people that we had in the in the movie. All of those people, man, no arrogance. If there was one diva in the crowd, that would be it. Because everybody else is just cool. And you know. It, it, everybody was just cool, man. Everybody was just cool. It was a family thing. It was like a one for all and all for one type of deal, man. It was just cool. My God, that's that that just thinking about that, man, just bring tears to my eyes because those those people, whoever Loretta, I think Loretta, Loretta, Loretta uh, assembled that. Her and um 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 um. Oh my God, my girl from. From LA, she the one who did the casting. Um, Robbie Reed, Robbie Reed did the casting, and I remember reading for a part for the part. 
And Robbie Reed didn't even let me get through. She didn't even let me get through. I said, you want me to read the rest? She said, no, you got it. She said, I just want to make sure that y'all could do it. That's all. <laughs> that was it. Seriously. And, and, and to put those different people of all ages and race together, you would think it would be a gap in there somewhere. And it wasn't. It wasn't, man. The scene, I'll give you this, and, and, you know, and I, I'll be done, but I, I'll give you this. The scene where Shirley Caesar is singing, uh, uh, um, um, in the church, when she's singing in the church, yep, that scene right there had the entire congregation crying. What was that? Uh, morning, something like that. Morning, something like that. That song, that song right there, where she's singing at uh, uh, Aunt Sally's funeral. Yeah, the entire congregation, everybody that was stand, that was sitting in the in the congregation was crying, crocodile out tears, bro, for real. And guess what? When you see her shooting one way, when you see her shooting, when they shooting it from the front, there was nobody there. There was no, I mean, yeah, shooting from the front, there's nobody there. Shooting from her back to the congregation. She did have to do the take again. They had to do it, shoot it again, and everybody cried in the exact same space again. That's how powerful that lady is. We heard the song already. There's no way in the world we could cry again. We cried in the same place again. Couldn't help it. That cast is unbelievable, man. That cast right there. Nah, man. That's why that movie. That's why that movie resonates today. That's why they call it the feel-good movie of the year. Man, shoot, I gotta go a record from that. Hang on my wall. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, unbelievable cast. Everybody, everybody, man. Unbelievable cast. Unbelievable. Sammy Jackson used to be on the set. He used to come to the, he used to come to the uh, shoots a lot. He used to come there a lot because his wife was was one of the stars of the movie. Unbelievable, man! Yeah, sounds like it was a great experience. Yes, yes. So you mentioned yes. why you started for less from the. Imagination album dropped in 04 when I was stationed in England in the Air Force. I'm going to tell you a quick little story about that joint. That was a song that I used as a kind of a, I guess, my hating song on when I, you know, was trying to pursue a certain young lady, and she was with somebody who I didn't <laughs> think she would be with. But I mean, the song, on, you know, look, the song on said exactly what it needed to say. So shout out to the OJ, shout out to Jimmy Jam. And Terry Lewis for producing, you know, a play hated anthem for myself back in my single days. Now I didn't get it, but the song, you know, served its purpose when it served its purpose. And speaking of yeah. songwriting, 
as a solo artist with your man, your writing partner, Mr. Jay Sean Champion. Shout out to Jay Sean. I'm going to take you on a trip down memory lane with songs you wrote for some other artists, because I don't think a lot of people know that you're a hell of a songwriter in your own right. So here's the caveat, though. What I want to know is, have a singer who's supposed to sing the song turned it down, who would you have given it to next? So let's put on your thinking cap real quick. All right, up okay. first is Charlie Wilson, Say. Okay, listen. Say and Show You. We did those two songs for Charlie, okay? We didn't, we didn't have those. We didn't write those songs with nobody in mind. We wrote them specifically for Charlie. When we got that call, I built a studio in Cleveland, here in Cleveland. I don't think our studio was up a – we wasn't even a month old yet. So all our equipment was brand new, fresh. We was, just, we, we was just basking in the whole thing of having our own studio, real studio, you know what I mean? So when we got that call, we went in there, and Jay Sean is a lyricist. You know, I'm, I'm the more the fine-tuner. I'm one of the ones that say – Charlie wouldn't say nothing like that, or, you know, you got to make sure he talk about this, or you got to make sure he does this. Okay, take that word out of there. Take that line out of there. We got to put this in there. I'm that guy when it comes to Jay Sean, because Jay Sean's a lyricist. He's come up with it like that. When we wrote those songs, we wrote them specifically for Charlie Wilson. There was nobody in mind. Nobody. They were tailor-made for Charlie. <laughs> yeah, well, I can see that. It's just one of those things I'm, I'm just always curious about when um, you hear like a you know a song and like somebody somebody might say in an interview or you know talk about the album. So yeah, I wrote this for this person or someone's turned it down. So I'm I'm just always curious to get that from a writer's standpoint. You know, somebody right. else would have didn't sing it. You know, who who were they giving it to? All right, up right. next is Silk. Love for you to like me. Love for you to like me. When we first wrote that song, we we were hoping that uh, Jacob Lattimore or it would be one of the new edition songs. That's what we were hoping for. Um, but the same guy that did the music, you know, he's a, he's an industry guy. And so, Love You Like Me. We wrote a lot of we wrote a lot of stuff and Silk liked a lot of that stuff. It was like, why don't you give me this? How come you give me that one? How can you give me this? Can you get that one? We probably got about four song, four or five songs on the Silk album. Other than um, "Love You to Like Me," we got about four songs on there. But that was we was hoping that we was hoping to to to, to um, you know, get Jacob Lattimore to do it. Um, and uh, then not if not have Ralph put his voice on it, you know, let Ralph and, uh, Ralph and, uh, uh, um, Ricky, Ricky do like a trade-off, do like a trade-off thing on there. We had about three or four songs we had wrote for New Edition that cool. we thought would be good for now. Yeah. All right, we're going to get a New Edition on the next thing, but I just want to, um, tip my hat to you, sir, for shouting out Jacob Lattimore, because that's somebody who I've been waiting for, to blow next, and he's almost oh, yeah. there. But I mean, you know, I think he's you know he's he's doing his acting thing right now though, which is which is cool, you know, because 
he's a he's a good actor too, but singing wise, yeah, like yeah, Jacob, yeah. Jacob can sing like somebody's business. Oh really yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Huh. He just needs like every playing singer on screen or doing a musical, you know, because he did Black Intimity, but something like a a Dream Girls or a you know something like that where he can people can really think like you know Duke can actually sing because you know I think now he's more known for his acting. You know, on the shy, yeah, the shy, yeah, the thing but, he does with the shy, yeah. But Duke can actually sing; like, he can actually really sing. So I would love for him. See, sometimes, <clears throat> some, sometimes what happens, Mister Dunn, is that um, the industry can become so crowded with the same type of act, and they don't, and they don't know, and they, and 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 today's. Um, a and R people are not are they're young people, so they're not as what's the word I want to use adverse. Like they don't like they can't think outside the box or they can't think of well we got one of them already. Okay, you know see when I was coming up and there was Al Green or there was uh, uh, Teddy Pendergrass. Or there was Lou Ross, or that. When you had a solo artist, you gave them their own identity through song. You didn't. You didn't try to. You didn't try to make, you know, Trey Song sound like Chris Brown and Chris Brown sound like Usher. You didn't do that. You know what I mean? You didn't put them in the same box. You got to do some writers. Y'all wrote songs and you promoted those songs until you got a hit record. But now today's society, if you don't get one off the rip or off the second one, uh. No, I don't think he's the one. No, well, they need to be saying, I don't think y'all the one. <laughs> I don't think I don't think y'all the one. That's the you know. So we 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 thought we had a good record for him. We thought we had a good record for him. We thought it would give him a good a, a good image. You know, what I'm saying by telling a woman that I just want you to like me. I would love for you to just like me. You know, what I'm saying like like let's be all right with each other. We can get to the other part later, you know, and that's a lot of things. You know, a lot of people, you know, they get into relationships and they don't like each other. You know what I'm saying? They 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 never became friends. So I mean, but but Jay Sean is 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 he has a he has a knack for putting himself inside the the, the younger artists, putting himself inside of these artists, and trying to be what they want, you know, trying to be them. With Charlie, he had to come to me because I know Charlie. I know him. You know what I mean? So, and I know what he feel about, you know, his lady. I know how he feel about her. You know, so I know some of the things he would say. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, that's how those lyrics came about. All right, so I said we were going to, you know, stick with new additions. So you wrote for my man, Johnny Gill, on his um, 2014 album. The song was strung out. If Johnny turned that down, yeah. who's going to get it next? I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't know because Jay Sean had that song written already. I mean, he wrote that song. I think I was on the road. I was, I was on the road. I was on tour. And he was up in the studio, and he got a call that Johnny Gill needed a song. And he sent it to me. And uh, I think I changed two words. It might have been three. 
I think I changed two or three words to make it more grown and, uh, you know, took out some of the, the little, little young nuances and little young, young sayings. Take that out of there because Johnny wouldn't say nothing like that. And that's all I did with that song. You know what I'm saying? Because we're a writing team, you know, I still get credit for it. But, you know, Jay Sean wrote that song strictly for Johnny, you know. He, actually, that was in the bunch that we was writing for New Edition. We got a song. We got a song right now for New Edition that is a hit record. And even Johnny told me, Johnny came to our dressing room, and he said, man, y'all got a record for New Edition? Yeah, that is a smash. He said, man, I'm trying to get the guys to do it. We wrote, we wrote it just for New Edition. You know, I don't know. I don't know what happened. It, you know, because, you know, sometimes – Another if you ain't together, you know, they ain't together, then yeah. you get different. So, so, but, um, yeah. And I'm a huge uh, that was That was in the new edition bunch. Yeah, I'm a huge new edition fan. Like, I'm still, not really still. I mean, I get it. I've just kind of, like, given up maybe a little bit of hope. Like, you know, they'll ever do, they'll ever do another album. Like, I don't foresee it ever happening. If it does happen, it'll happen on their time, you know, which is fine, and I get it, especially with um, Ralph and everything, and Ralph never really getting a chance to fully explore his solo aspirations, which is cool. So I don't expect a solo album, I mean, a new album from them anytime soon. And, you know, not no disrespect, but if they didn't do it when the miniseries dropped and the momentum was hot right then and there, then I just don't, you know, see it happen anytime soon. I mean, the fans want it. And they'll support it, but, you know, it's been 16 years since the last album, and we haven't got nothing new since 04, since I was in the military. So my well, son wasn't even born yet, so they excited. Well, well, Mr. Dunn, look, it's not disrespecting, it, you know, when you say that, because that is the honest to God truth. Me, you know, earlier you said you get it. You said, um, you know, I get it, you know, hey, you know, whatever. I don't get it. I don't get it because this is, you got to understand, it's called the music business, but it's the business of music. Yeah. And you do the business. Together, you guys are something special. Even if you had to stay in separate hotels, you're something special on that stage. On that stage collectively... Y'all can make, you can make way more than you could being apart. And on top of all of that, even though there's, you know, bad blood or whatever, go do the business, bro, so you can pay your mortgage, so you can eat, so that you can keep that, so you can keep that, um, that, that level, so you can stay at that level. I understand the part about, Maybe there's some bad blood, but go do the business. Go do yeah. the business, man. I've seen it done. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen it done. That's how I know it works. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Gill can go off and do his this thing because Johnny Gill had a little solo career before, before that, and Johnny Gill is still doing pretty good now. But if you do the business. And you go home, you can still maintain 
because yep. nothing is bigger than that group. The only person that can actually go do something is Johnny. Even Bobby Brown could have went and did something, but, you know, if he kept himself in shape and kept himself together, because Johnny, Johnny, I mean, Bobby Brown had big, 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 big records. Oh, yeah. And you can always incorporate that into a two-hour show and get that kind of money to do a, a you know, a big show. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 if, 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 I mean, I know a couple of those guys, you know, and I could probably have a talk with a couple of guys, but, you know, maybe one or two of them is doing, is, you know, has another thing upstairs in their head. I don't know. But I, I don't get it. I, I think they should do the business and it could, and it could be good. Um, even though Ralph, was the issue again? Like I told you earlier, the weird part about this, Ralph was the everything man for a new edition. Yeah, did everything: background vocals, lead vocals, everything. But on his own, he's just a guy named Ralph. You know what I mean? Like you know, if you go to a club that seats 175 people. Oh, yeah, it's going to be wrapped around the corner. Yeah, it's going to be sold out. But as new addition, you're selling out, damn, you're damn near selling out stadiums. You could damn near put together a new addition and Boys the Men tour, and people will come from all over to see it. I'm telling you, new addition and Boys the Men. Who wouldn't want to see it? Real talk, and it's um, and, and when I say I get it, sir, it's like you know I get the whole slash frame thing, but it was one of those. It's like everything you're saying. As a diehard fan, like one of my biggest conceptions or gripes with them is you don't take charge and momentum when you have it. I mean, even now with um everything that's going on with the COVID and everything, like I know you guys got unreleased tracks out there, you know that you have the masters to. Throw it on the streaming service. You know, get that money because I'm a diehard fan, but it's some serious diehard fans that, like, I mean, I know I know people who, when they, whenever they do a tour when they're together, they go to every single show in every single state, like, hardcore groupies. So you can't tell me that people won't pay top dollar, you know, for the cost that you're going to throw out there. You just have to do it. But we're supposed you know, to do a tour. They yeah. were supposed to do a tour after that movie. They were supposed to yep. do a tour, a big major tour after that movie. And it fell apart. It fell apart, man. It fell apart because now you get those egos in the way. The egos don't pay, the egos do not pay a freaking bill. They don't. They don't. I don't know what else more you want me to say on that subject, man. I, 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 just... <laughs> I didn't mean to go on a, uh, I mean to go on a tangent. It's just like you know, it's just one of the things that's bothersome. And you, you being in the industry, you being a veteran, you know, you can always break it down for the consumer like myself from more of a realistic standpoint. So before I get into your solo stuff, the last thing I want to ask about the trip for somebody else was Confunction, Your Night. If they would turn that down, who would you give that one to? Nobody. That was written for Confunction, too. <laughs> that was written for Confunction. Uh, 
we wanted to give them we wanted to give we wanted to put them in touch with uh not to I don't want to use the word so loosely I don't want to use the word younger generation we just wanted to give them a more of a uh an, a, a, an appeal to uh young adults because compunction is an older group but yeah. how do we do that how do we do that without really trying to force feed them some you know some hip hop stuff no we didn't want to do that so i'm, I'm like the 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 guy in compunction has a distinct sound you know what i mean because they didn't even cut the backgrounds that's our backgrounds on there we just had mike to just do his do his vocals and then they cut a video to it but that was written for his voice the thing about what we do oh no let me say it like this the thing about what we've done when we when, when we wrote songs for, for different artists is we'll listen to what they did and then we'll take their vocals and put it in today's mix like like how would they how would they resonate today you know what i mean yeah like um like i've been trying to get I've been trying to get the 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 go ahead to write a song for for um, for Gladys. I've been trying to get a go ahead to write a song for SWV. Been trying to get a go ahead to write a song for Melba. Just that somebody got to, got to say, okay, do it. I'll come cut it. You see what I'm saying? I talked to Melba about it. I've talked to um, um, Lily from SWV about it. She's like elated she thinks that jay sean and and what we do up here is like we just one big record away from people to really knowing that we have that type of um, talent to write for major artists you know gladys we just waiting for her to um start back cutting again and we're going to submit a song just for gladys i mean when we do it we do it with them in mind we you know it's just that those those songs that we did that we did on Silk, we had wrote them for somebody else already. They were they wasn't with Silk in mind. You know what I'm saying? It, it, yes, it, was, sir. it was written for for someone else. And but I thought Love for You to Like Me was a good record, and I thought Silk pulled it off, just like how how the demo went. They pulled it off. They I mean they they really really I mean, but I think I think Silk is 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 one of those groups i i think silk is one of those groups that don't get the real recognition that they should get because i remember when they were out when they were out then there was a drew hill you know what i mean and drew hill was just flying but silk is really talented immensely talented i mean man and what people don't talk about because there's so much sensationalism on social media and everybody is doing this and sleeping with that person and messing up here and and this person got a got an ego with that what people don't realize is that silk got all the original members mm-hmm. there's no interchanging parts you know i mean uh, even with Drew Hill, they got people coming in, people going out. Maybe he might come to the show. Maybe he might not. Or I got two other guys on standby. I got Silk got all the original members. 
And I had a talk with them, the entire group, on Tom Joyner's uh, 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 Fantastic Voyage Cruise. I was talking to I was talking to Big G, and I was telling them the the, the thing that's special about y'all group is that y'all got all y'all original members, and y'all still sound like y'all records. And Big G said, "Hold on," he said, he said, he said, "Hold on, OG, hold on, OG, stay right there. Let me go get the guys." And he went and got the guys. He said, "Tell them what you just told me." And I told him that I said, "That's the special thing about y'all. See, the thing you cannot beat." I don't care how much replacing you do. I don't care how much interchanging you do. You get this guy to sound like that guy. Get this guy. Remember, I told you this, Mr. Dunn. The thing you cannot beat is chemistry. It cannot be beat. I don't care what voices you get. I don't care who you put in the the group. I don't care. You can't beat chemistry. Eddie and Walt have unbelievable chemistry. They know what each other's going to do before the person does it. And now I just started learning. Like when I mean not far as them, because I always studied them all my life, but they just started learning me like maybe five years ago. They just started learning me like five years ago, bro, and I was already in the group 19 years. You cannot beat chemistry. It's unbeatable. A person can be in a marriage, and they've been in the marriage 37 years. You can't beat the chemistry of those two people, knowing what one's going to do without the other one, or one going to do when the other one doesn't. When I look at these, these acts, I ain't trying to get too deep, bro. I promise you I'm not. You might keep it. You might not. But anyway, let me say this to you. When when Johnny when Johnny died in the Dells, I told Marvin Jr. Be prepared. Be prepared. Your father's not far behind. I knew he wasn't far behind. Because they were they, they were thick as thieves. Johnny and Marvin was thick as thieves. They're best of friends in the Dells. You can feel it. I believe the same thing with Eddie and Walt. I believe the same thing. If something happens to Eddie, Walt is not far behind. Vice versa. Just the way it is, man. It's just the way it is. You can't beat it. It has never lost there's no chemistry has never lost. Well, that's you can take two people. You can take two people. One could fall to his knees and be faking it like he's crying, and one could actually be crying, and you'll see the crowds get up and do a stand and give them a stand ovation. I was on tour with I was on tour with Gladys, man. What for what we did, three straight tours with her? And when I see her do the way we were, when I see her do that song. And she's crying, she gets a stand ovation because she's really, it's really hard for her to do that song. 90% of the time, she's deep into that song. She gets a stand ovation every single time. Can't fake a feeling, man. You can't fake 
chemistry. And that's why I was telling Silk. Y'all got a chemistry. I don't care who y'all y'all <sighs> man, sometimes <laughs> sometimes I feel like I know too much, man. Because you know, sometimes you can know too much, man, and they don't hear you. <laughs> but it's all knowledge, man. It's all knowledge. It's like, tons of stories, yeah. tons of um things, and a lot of stuff that you're saying, it makes a lot of sense. And even if you strip away the um the music aspect of it, because like you know, when you know somebody such a long time, you just have that connection with them and you have that chemistry and you can just, you can sense when something's wrong. Like, you know, I have homies yeah. who I've known for years and like when something's up with them, I can just tell. So, you know, I pick up the phone right away and call me to check on them. Or even if you um don't see somebody for months at a time, you know, you text, you talk on Facebook, whatever, pick up the phone. But when you guys see each other, it's just like you automatically know each other, like you know their um, qualms and quims without knowing anything. So that's just, yeah, that's just friendship and the strength of men. So and I want to get into this solo stuff. And, that's, <laughs> and, and, and you, know what, you know what, Mr. Dunn, Mr. Dunn, right quick, just, just to add, just to add live to what you just said. You can't beat, you can't beat what God does for man. See, God instills that kind of stuff in us. Yes, that's why you can't. That's why you can't be the chemistry, because those are the things that you don't, you can't see. You can see a shiny new car, you can see a fine woman, you can find, you can see good looking clothes, nice jewelry. You can see those things, but see this this stuff right here, you can't see. So that's why you don't. That's why you don't assess it to that. You don't. You can't because you can't see it. If it's not biblical, you can't. You don't. You don't attach that to God. But God has everything to do with the feeling and the chemistry. <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you, man. The chemistry is undefeated. It's undefeated, man. It's undefeated. And you and you you've seen these these groups that that, that change these members and they just become a group. That's all they are. It's just a group. All right, man. I'm done with my deepness. <laughs> I'm done, man. I'm done. <laughs> well, you know, and and like I like I tell everybody who I, who who I've been interviewing since this whole thing started for me, and with this COVID, just hearing veteran artists, um, older artists, talk about experiences and talk about their life, to me, it's the equivalent of sports fanatics watching Michael Jordan's Last Dance documentary on ESPN. So, you know, I can sit here and listen to people who know the game, who've been in the industry for a minute, who've seen the ins and the outs, and when they break this stuff down, just listen to them talk for hours on end because it's, you know, musical gold to me. It's knowledge gold because you guys are breaking this stuff down. You're telling it from not only from an artist standpoint, but also as a man standpoint who's seen, you know, a lot as a career that, you know, in the music industry. So it's all, it's all up to me, man. It's all just me absorbing your knowledge and, you know, finding ways to apply that to my daily life. So mm-hmm. salute to you for that. Thank you. 
speaking on that, man, let's, let's get into this Mood Swings album. You know, the one he dropped in 2014, your solo debut. Now, it was a bit different from the OJ stuff. You know, I saw you experimenting with jazz a little bit, um, did your own thing. So what was your writing process with the Mood Swings album to separate yourself from the OJ's brand? Um, every, everything was deliberate. Everything that I did on that album was deliberate. Um, uh, the only song that I probably, and it's a good song too, but the only song that I probably would have kept off the album would have been Cologne because Cologne was more had a little more of an R&B thing, and that wasn't where I really was trying to go with that. But it was an idea that Jay Sean and myself came up with because we are Cologne fanatics. Like, we like we love Cologne, you know what I mean? And um, I remember a young lady one time, I was at a club, and I was dancing with her. And when she went home, uh, I called her, and when she went home, she said, why do I smell like you? She said, I'm going to be smelling like you when I wake up in the morning. And I told Jason on that, the game was over. <laughs> we came back the next day. Unk, unk, I got it, I got it. But the song was so profound and so great. I just said, I, I went ahead and recorded it, man. And I said, I'd throw it on the album just in case somebody goes in there and they grab that one and they like that one. Because sometimes in the music game, where you want to go, sometimes ain't where songs take you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, you, you do everything to go over here to the left side, and then that one song takes you right, and the one song is the biggest one than the ones you was trying to go left. So we just kind of threw the dice and, and say, okay, we'll just throw it on there, and the people love it. They love it. I did my radio show yesterday, and three people asked for that record, asked for Cologne. Uh, yeah, three people asked for Cologne. Okay, but to – to, to, to expound on what you asked me earlier. Moon Swing was deliberate. That, that music was done deliberately. I wanted to be over there. I wanted, I wanted to do the smooth jazz, contempt, adult contemporary jazz type of deal because who got me inspired in doing that is Will Downing. When I first heard Will Downing, I was just, wow. That's some cool stuff. Oh, man. Then I just started digging in the crates for Will Downing and just getting everything that he did. And then I ran across Walter Beasley, and I was like, you know, the things that he does vocally was just so cool to me. And then I just, then I started falling in love with Michael Franks and, and Bobby Caldwell and Christopher Cross and, like this is some cool music. This is this is what I want to do because this is like, this is like uh, uh, a cool version of Frank Sinatra. You know what I'm saying? This is like this is cool, and this is my demeanor. This is who I am. Like I'm I'm really laid back. I know me talking and displaying that, but I'm really laid back, and I'm really not one of those guys that I want to be heard but not be seen. Like if I could just cut records and not and not go to work and not tour, I would. Like, I, like, I love performing, but I don't know how to, how, to, how to really put it into words. Probably one of the reasons why I wear a cap all the time, because it has a visor on it, and I can always pull it down over my, you know, closer to my eyes. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if I, if I could walk around invisible, I would. <laughs> that kind of thing, and just show up for the show. 
because I love performing on stage with 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 the guys. Um, but all that was deliberate. I was like, this is the type of music I would do if I was Eric Nolan. And so I so I created Eric Nolan and dropped the grant off because Eric Nolan Grant is of the OJs. Eric Nolan is like a more of a smooth jazz artist. You know what I'm saying? And I don't do really jazz jazz because I don't feel like I know enough. Like I don't know enough of what Ella Fitzgerald and, you know, Al Jarreau and those guys. I, I don't, you know, I don't want to cheat. I don't want to cheat the the uh, the genre. So I put a little twist on it, make it a little more edgier. You know, I remember talking to Kim one time in, in the uh, – in the airport, we had talked for like two hours, and we was in the airport and we was talking, and I was telling him my idea. Now I, I I knew Kim from Detroit. I was telling him my idea. He was on his first album uh, with um, with Motown, and I I told him I said. And I, and I and and I remember Kadar letting us hear the the, the Kim he, he had Kadar had Kim uh, Donnie he had Kim and Donnie that's who he had and I know I'm bearing left wing but he had Kim and Donnie and um, was myself Coco Brown uh, Dougie Fresh. That was our little that was our little crew. We had a little crew. Dougie Fresh and Joe. And we and we were all up in Kadar's room and he let us hear the records. And he said, My thing about signing these artists to Motown, which I think. I want to put these records. I said, Look, man, put those records put both of those singles out and whichever one catch on fire, that's who you do the album on. Now Donnie, you know Donnie, Donnie had the color section. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So well, that was that was under Kadar. I heard all of that before, you know, before he even made a decision. Kim caught on fire, and I told him, I said, Kim sounds like a today's Al Jarreau. That was Kim's niche. So the rest is history. Kadar kept, you know, kept putting out albums on Kim, and Color Section was just the Color Section, which was a great album, but it was a little edgier, and people wasn't people didn't, you know, what I'm saying it wasn't commercial enough. At the time. Or, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, it was, it was a great album, though. Great album. Yeah, so I'm talking, I'm talking to Kim, and I'm telling Kim that what I'm about to do. I'm, I'm, I'm about to. I said, man, I'm about to go and try to do this Eric Nolan thing, and uh, I'm gonna cut everything with live instruments. I'm gonna take it back to the days of the Philadelphia's, the James Brown, and everything. I'm, I'm everything I do is gonna be live instruments. He said, man, what a great idea. <laughs> what a great idea. So I went ahead and did what I said I was going to do. Turn around, Kim did the same thing. He did the exact same thing. He cut everything with live instruments. The end. That's all I can tell you, Mr. Dunn. That's all I can tell you, man. All I can say is that, hmm, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, uh, but I wanted to keep the music authentic. I, I, I know I, I don't have a machine behind me. You know what I mean? Kim got had a machine. He got Motown behind me. And I, I knew, I did know this. If I put out Reminds Me and I got Motown behind me, I got a number one record. I know it. Yep. I ain't guessing it. I know it. I know that. If I put out uh, On My Way with Motown, I got a hit record, bro. I know it. Now, I miss you. That was a personal favorite. That's one I like. You know what I mean? So I wanted to release that record. I don't know if it was I, – I don't, I don't feel I miss you was a big record. I felt like I miss you kept me in my lane. That's the reason why I wanted to release it. I felt like that record will let my will, will let my audience know that this is where I'm trying to go. You know what I'm saying? This is the lane I'm trying to be in. So uh, and then, that's why I wanted to release I Miss You. I, I, it's not that I thought I Miss You was a huge record. I didn't think it was a huge record. I thought that if 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 Reminds Me Catch on Fire, I could stay in that pocket would I miss you? Now, hindsight is twenty twenty. Now everyone is telling me I should have released I Can Love You. They're telling me I should have released I Can Love You. You should have released I Can Love You. You should have released I Can Love You. Okay, cool. But what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to, I'm I'm uh, if one of these records catch on fire, I'm going to go back, I'm going to remix and cut some, some ad-libs over on I Can Love You and, um, and, uh, um, the song that me and Walt did, and I'm put them on the next album with another kind of not just a tad bit type of feel to them, but the same feel. But if I got if I got uh, Motown behind me, I got a number one record. If I got any machine behind me, if I got any machine behind me, I got a number one record because we write records like that. I only put I only put what eight rec- eight songs on that album. I cut 22 of them. I cut 22 songs. I only put eight. And Jay Sean is saying, well, Unc, let's give him 12. I said, Jay Sean, understand me this. I'm going to get you to understand this. Out of these 12 songs that you want to put on the album, are any of these, out, are, are any of these um, considered album fillers to you, or are they just great? really good records. He said they're really good records. I said, okay. If they don't get it in the first eight, they ain't going to get it in the next two, in the next four. If they don't get it by the first eight songs we put on that album, four more ain't going to make them get the, get the album. They're gonna, and they're going to make them say, mm, oh, this is really a nice album. You should be able to get them in three. That's old school. You should be able to get them in three records. You should be able to get them in three records. You should be able to get them in 30 seconds of a record. In 30 seconds of a record, you should have them. If you ain't got them, you're a lost ball in high weeds, bro. And that's how I think. And that's that's where me and Jay Sean, that's how we become a team like that. When I did do my thing, Jay Sean wanted to cut it off at four minutes. Uh-uh. Let that song play. In my day, we did a part one, part two. 
Because, see, that was a jam session. Do My Thing is a jam session. The band was just in that. that was, that's a full band in there playing. The only thing we added was uh, was percussion. And we did some overdubs on, um, on some of the piano, I mean, the guitar parts. But that's a full band in there recording at one time. Yeah. Do My Thing. Do My Thing was eight minutes long. That's why when the song goes off, that's why you hear me calling out each one of the names and stuff, because we was jamming. I left it like that. I mean, I'm, I'm not fading that. I'm not cutting that off. That's a feel. That's a feel. It's just, it's the, that's what James Brown do. That's where I got it from. Leave it on the record. Leave all that, all the feel. I told you earlier, you can't beat a feeling. So the mood swing... Um, and, and I knew, and, and look, 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 let me, I'll give you this, this quick this little story. <clears throat> Excuse me. I sent, the, I sent, I sent some of the songs to Hidden Beach. True story. I sent it to Hidden Beach. I was trying to get a record deal. When the gentleman called me back and said, okay, so you're Eric Nolan from the OJs, right? I said, yeah. He said, hmm. So where, just where do you, where is this going? Where do you see your music fitting in at? I said, if you had to ask that question, this is not the label for me. Now it's the end of our conversation. We never talk again. Because if you got to ask that, then you don't know where it goes. But when I sent it to radio, they knew where to put it. Hmm. That's all I'm saying. That record, that record stayed. That record stayed on the charts for 52 weeks. I got played for 52 weeks on Sirius XM. Seriously, but you would know it. You would know. I made it to number five. You would know. Because there's no machine behind me. I didn't have no, no publicist. Everybody who said there was a publicist thinks that being on social media is being a publicist. Nobody's doing the hard hard work. And then the ones who, who do do the hard work, you know, they wanted so much money on the decline of Ebony and Jet and Sister to Sister and all of the uh, 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 Essence all the publications where people was at the time reading, but it was on a decline. So how I look like paying you all that money for something that's on a decline. People are not reading magazines like that anymore. I'm caught between a rock and a hard place. I'm caught right in the middle. Like, what do I do? So I can't, so I can't hire a publicist just to hire a publicist. Because where are we going with this? Okay, you're going to put me in all your trades, on trade magazine. Then people ain't really reading no more. They're still out there, but they're not really reading them. Because that company is trying to figure out what they're going to do next. So unless I'm creating some kind of sensationalism to draw you to Eric Nolan, you know what I'm saying? Unless I'm getting caught with somebody's wife or I'm getting caught or I'm dating a celebrity or, you know, or something that, that creates some kind of stir, 
I'm not going to get the attention. You know what I'm saying? So many times when people say, you know, what that said, man, your record should have been played more, should have been heard more. In today's, in today's climate, man, you know, the way radio is working now, um, some things are still just, it's just prevalent. Some things are still, some things are just still happening, man, that uh, can become a little bit disheartening. But because I'm a rebel, and because I think like that, you you can't you can't beat me. One thing I got my own studio. I got one of the best songwriters in the business, best production team, one of the best production teams in the business. That's down with me. That I mean, that rocks with me. So when anytime I cut a record and it comes out and I put it out as a single, it's a record. Trust me. It's a record. It's a real record. Some people struggle even trying to get a record, something that's radio friendly, which you already know what that means. So. When I cut a record, when Eric Nolan cuts a record and I release a single, it's a real record, bro. I know how to cut a real record. I'm not the world's greatest singer. I'm a good singer. I'm good. I'm cool. You know what I mean? But I bet you I can record records. I bet you that. And the only thing that's lacking is the machine. I don't have the machine. You know, I use my own monies. I use my own monies for everything. I use my own money for Whatever you've, whatever you've heard on me or seen on me thus far is because I, I put that effort into it, you know, but I'm not a machine. I'm just a guy. And independent means just what it is. I'm independent. You know what I'm saying? I use my own everything. I have no, I have no machine. I have no distribution. I have nothing. I do everything myself. So mood swing was calculated. It was calculated. I, I did. I, I picked those songs on purpose. <clears throat> well, myself and Jay Sean, we picked the songs. But I, I, every time I picked the song, I told Jay Sean why. So, and Jay Sean is a cancer, also like me. I'm a cancer, and he's a cancer. So, and he's oh, he's very straightforward. So he 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 don't go along with me because I said something. He'll go along with me if he if he believe I'm right. And that's the best. That's one of my best attributes with having a partner like that. Because if he if he think I'm wrong, he'd be like, uh-uh, uh, that's wrong. Or I feel like it's wrong. Or explain to me why you why you would do it that way. And that's how we get along so great. And um, even the next I wanted to do I wanted to do a a, a a second album. I wanted to do a second CD. And uh, Jay Sean said, Unk, let's just see what catches on fire. I said, you ain't got to tell me nothing but one time. You ain't got to tell me nothing but one time. I get it. So I'm just releasing singles now until something catches on. When something catches on fire, I can go right in my studio and, and put your album together in three days. You'll have a whole album. Eight to ten songs, you'll have it right there. Because that's how we cut so to answer your question, that was calculated, man. I, I did that on purpose because I didn't. I knew what I knew coming from the OJs, Eric Nolan from the OJs. You think I'm about to do some screaming and hollering, some begging and pleading, some you know big voices and breakdowns and all of that? I, I'm gonna go towards. I'm gonna go towards my my uh, my personality because I can be true to that. I can be true to my personality. 
I don't have a big voice like Eddie LeBert. And, you know, as far as Walter Williams, there's not a person in the business. There's not a person in the music business. Remember, I told you this. There's not a, there's not a vocalist in the music business that can do what Walter Williams does with his voice. You can't name me that person. Walter Williams got a falsetto that's incredible. He has a bass that's incredible. His natural, you already know about his natural. You already know he got a gear. He got a gospel gear that he can go up to his, his second second tenor in his natural where you would hear, you would hear him squalling. Like, like, man, like, who is that voice? That's all Walter Williams. Got none like him. I try to emulate him. I'm not him, but I try to emulate him, and so that's where I get some of my, you know, that's where I get some of my 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 my, my stuff from. What would Walt do in this in this right here in this section? What would Walt do? So I try to emulate what Walt would do. Tune back in next week for part three of this interview.